came out, and they were like just right, yep, and they did this with Bo. Okay. Now, now, right now, all the 12 disciples haven't been listed yet. And now we're going to move to the next chapter. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read 13 through 21. Let's, I'm going to do the same thing, and let's make some observations. Let me just summarize. So what we just read, Jesus goes to the sea with crowds from the outside regions gathering. So these outside regions are gathering, and he goes to the sea. Jesus enters a boat to protect him from a wild mob of people. He heals the sick that touch him and unclean spirits. How do unclean spirits respond to him? What? So you are the son of God. What else? Came to him, 
And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, the son of Thunder, Thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd and the ga- crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went to seize him, for they were saying, "He's out of his mind."
here and then Jake Dusty comes Israel. Um, there is just something about, there's also an authoritative thing that comes with giving a name. In fact, Adam and Eve were given the authority to give names to all the animals. They were having dominion over them. Um, may they be that Jesus is having dominion over them, but in a, in a loving way, but he, he, he gives them names. In, in John, it says, um, in John's account, it says when he saw Peter and his disciples, Cephas, no, wait a minute, was it Simon? And then he calls him Cephas, which means Peter. And he, he said, in, in the first encounter in John, he says, I'm going to call you Peter. And how, how is that like? I mean, like, and it was kind of like this. John, I'm with, you know, say, say John here is Jesus. And he comes to me and he goes, hey, Daniel, I want you to meet Ethan. Uh, or uh, the other way around. I say, I bring Ethan to Peter too. I'm getting this all serious. See, I should probably just do it this way. I'm Jesus. I'm getting this all mixed up. And, I, and I'm trying to meet, introduce John to Ethan. And I introduce him, and Ethan looks at, John looks at Ethan, and Ethan says, I'm going to call you something else. And he kind of looks at him and goes, <laughs> and, But in this way, they, they knew it. Just like Jesus spoke with authority, and just this he, I mean, he, there's nobody like him. He's doing things. He is, he is coming, and he is bringing a new life. So, um, but that's a good observation. Can you change your name? What other things that are stealing God's name in our church? Any other observations? Yeah.
over again as we go through Mark, repeated misunderstandings and confusion. It just occurs very regularly. They're not understanding who Jesus is. The disciples don't get it. They're, they're mixing this up. And it's like Jesus says something, it's like a riddle almost to them. And they just take it so out of context. Yeah. Yeah. Beware of stumbling. 
something in terms of unnecessarily over the word or something like that. What often is then interpreted is the unpardonable sin. Because we, why do they, why, why do we call this the unpardonable sin? What, what language would Jesus use for that? Because they've committed the unpardonable sin, they probably 
haven't because their heart is tender enough to actually be concerned about it. Um, but I, 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 and I, and more than that, I think it's most. I think Jesus is talking about a unique moment in history where people, these these scribes, are actually seeing something that they are so like we don't we don't see Jesus's visible work by the Holy Spirit. We see it except in it. We see it powerfully in a different way, but we don't see his physical presence on earth. And we don't have a chance to attribute it occasionally. So I think this is a unique time, and he's, but he's talking to the gravity of what they're doing. Um, I, I don't think that this is um, something that we should, to keep us up at night, or should keep us up at night with a lot of other things. Let's say this way. They, they make a charge against Jesus. Jesus is doing it with Satan's help. What, how does Jesus' help? Okay. Actually, how many things? How many? Yeah, three. What's the first one? What? Be nice and bold. So they go preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And they cast their beads. By 
Mark, when this Mark decides that's an important addition, that's not, it's, he, Jesus said it, but this is text he really wants us to get something here. And the th- now we come to the third one, and he's being accused of doing this to his disciples. And then he gives a parable, and he goes, nobody can plunder a house unless the strong man hides it. Then he comes and takes it. Who do you think Jesus, what do you think, okay, is Satan's house getting plundered in this parable? says there's really, he says in the new, there's, up until this time of Jesus, nobody was really casting a, able, ever described as having had authority in any way against unclean spirits and demons in any consistent way. In the Old Testament, you don't really have a presence of a lot of demons, at least by name. But is there, is there demons and satanic power in the Old Testament? Okay, okay, it's all this, but there's more. What? saying, 
I'm, I'm routing you now. Your, your days, the, the war isn't over, and it still isn't over. But, but the, the decisive battles have been won. Ultimately, what was the most decisive battle that was won? Yeah, the cross of Jesus Christ, the, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, resurrection. But Jesus is saying, I, I really think that we can conclude here in this passage, okay? Jesus is saying, a house isn't plundered until the strong man is bound. And, by the way, look around, there's plundering here. There's, there's demons calling out saying, you're the son of God, you know God. And falling down, and they're, they, they are under the control of this man. And Jesus is giving other men authority to go out and cast those demons out. So he, he has that authority now. He is the stronger man. There's the strong man and the stronger man. Now, there, how familiar you guys are, how familiar are you with the, the great old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God? Great hymn. Love that hymn. Um, in that, I think in the notes here, he says, and though this world, Martin Luther wrote, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness reigns, we tremble not in hand, at hand, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word doth stop.
starts to die, the first thing we see, the main character of the story, who is a rich 30-something guy, says, Rooster is afraid of Bo because Bo hated Rooster for many reasons, most of them stirring up the misunderstanding completely. And in this humor story, Rooster, the guy that, the little guy, Fredman, had the good fortune of coming across some information about Bo. In fact, it's in Butler that actually gave him information, his, his, his genius. In fact, he did not know what the information meant at all because he didn't have the authority to tell him what this meant. He just gave him what he said. But he knew that a single word would cause the Goliath, like foe, to tremble, to wilt like a flower. The word was Zulily. One mention to foe that he knew all about Zulily sent a giant brute happy. He went from a bullet short of cash to a pansy at a mere mention of the word Zulily. This transformed the attitude of Bert and Rooster, who knew that he had that magic bullet. As he came there and threatened, he'd just mention Zulily, and the guy would be like, never mind, okay, I'll see you later. Uh, he, he went as like a scared rabbit in the presence of Bo. He was the scared rabbit in the presence of Bo, and he was transformed into a confident opponent, ready to resist the rage of Bo. You see, living in the light of this powerful word made all the difference to this character once he knew that he had what he was so mad. The analogy is appropriate. It turns out that we find out later in the story that it's part of the humor of the story is that Bo, this giant macho type of man, had made a fortune in the designing of ladies' undergarments and that the successful business that he secretly owned was called Zulily, secret, secretly, Surely something a man of his reputation and persona would find devastating to perceive, if anybody ever knew. And the, but listen, uh, the book itself is so funny as you judge it, and this guy that he's terrified, he mentions it, he becomes this little puppy and he runs away, Bo does, when he hears the word because he is paralyzed by it. And it hit me, there's a sense in which Okay, when he would live in light of that knowledge, it changed everything about even the way the, the intimidated Bertie Rooster responded. So with that, there's a word that is much greater, which is Jesus Christ. We live in the light of Jesus Christ. We live in the light of, okay, we do have a menacing foe. And you can see in your passage, uh, you see in your notes here, three things, uh, living in the light of, we do, we do need to realize that the stronger man is bound to. The strong man, Satan, is plundering his house. Christians must live in the light of Jesus decisive victory. And that we are, we are going to face the, the onslaughts, and so are our friends and neighbors. I, um, there's a friend that I'm witnessing to a lot who seems to be so close to, to being saved, and he is struggling with what he feels is spiritual warfare. Really, this it is. He's he's terrified. He told me the other day I felt like the devil was after me. And he said, "You told me, Daniel, that God's drawing you, and that if so, the enemy's going to just really want to attack you." And uh, have you been here today? <laughs> this will be your Sunday. Um, and so it, it is real, but we Jesus, not just saying that word like a charm. Um, 
think Satan is asking us to do. What is the work of Satan? Yeah. So what is that? Just for, for those that for those that haven't read Stupefy.
who's in charge of that going to say? God. It's, you know, he talks about it in that way. It says the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Um, but it was God that was in control over Satan's attempt. And every time Satan might be part of a trial in our lives, um, God is using it for a refining purpose. Blind eye, um, Satan also says in Corinthians, does something to the unbelievers. Remember? Anyone here? What does Satan do to the unbelievers? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. In, case, in this case, the God of this, this world has blinded the eyes 